And welcome back to another episode of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel, and what a game, what a comeback by the Bearcats this last week against Pitt State at home on Military Appreciation Day. And my very first guest, we're just starting it right out the gate here, is uh, is my son Eli coming on. You know, you usually have him towards the end with the Bearcats, according to Eli. But for his birthday, him and I went to the game. And if you follow me on Twitter, we posted all kinds of pictures. And uh, Eli, did you have a good time at the game? Yeah, it was awesome. What uh, you had a lot of cool stuff, right? Like a lot of people wishing you happy birthday and stuff. Let's. Um, what was your favorite part before the game? Uh, when the coach gave me a flag. Well, not the coach. One of the referees. Yeah. So one of the referees, and I've never seen this before at a game, by the way, ever. We were sitting in the stands, and we did have sideline passes. We were on the sideline a little bit before the game and after the game, but uh, we wanted to sit in the stands so we like and have his nachos and all that good stuff. And uh, we, one of the referees, came up and said, "Hey, kid," and threw him a flag, like one of his extra flags. That's crazy. I've never seen that happen before. That's 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 a pretty cool souvenir. Yeah, and I'm gonna keep it as a collector collectible well that's pretty cool and then the game of course happens and it didn't look very good for the bearcats in the first half yeah but by the second half it was like 16-0 i thought they were gonna lose but then in the third and fourth half they did good yeah they did came back and then Pitt misses a field goal at the end of the game that was a that was a, a pretty memorable game well you and i'll probably remember this one forever huh Yes, I thought they were going to make the field goal, and I was going to go crazy. Yeah, thank goodness. Uh, thank goodness that they didn't. Then after the game, it got kind of a special treat. Um, you got to go down in the field and, and meet your favorite Bearcat. Yep. Do, do you remember his name? Brody Buck. Yep. What number is he? 50. Number 50. You got your picture taken with him. He was uh, that, that was pretty cool, huh? Yeah. And then he told you happy birthday as well. And and so overall, had a good time, right? Yep, 10 out of 10 game. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, I'm a little, I, w- I would have liked it to be a little bit more, uh, <laughs> a little bit more comfortable. But all right, buddy, we'll, uh, I just wanted to have you on here to start with. We'll, uh, we'll have you back on here at the end and we'll do our picks and the Bearcats according to Eli. Okay. All right, buddy. Well, Eli will come back on at the end of the podcast, of course, for the Bearcats, according to Eli. Just wanted to have him on here talk about uh, that fun. What a game. You know, I know the first half was frustrating <laughs> to watch for sure. Um, you know, the offense was was run, run, um, pass on third down and and uh, then punt away, it seems like. But um, no punts, I don't think, from either team in the second half. That was pretty impressive. And and if you look at the statistics, I mean, that was kind of the amazing thing at the game. You look at stats. You know, I, I always like to look at stats. They always are uh, interesting to me. But they're not everything. And they don't tell the whole story of this game either. You know, first downs, Pitt had 24. Northwest had 15. Only five rushing first downs for the Cats. That was kind of crazy. Only 95 rushing yards. 110 for Pitt. It seemed like more. They were able to run the ball at times against uh, Northwest defense. They seem to have a pretty good game plan and uh, and really went with the 258 passing yards for the Gorillas, 199 for Northwest. But Mike Hohensee, what a second half he had. Three touchdowns, 
Caden Davis with uh, two of them, and then Jaden Brady, the true freshman uh, from Savannah. It was pretty cool to see him score his first collegiate touchdown. And I noticed when he went on the field, I maybe didn't think we were going to run the ball when he when he came in for, I think it was Al McKellar or Devontae Green, one of the two on that play, and then just kind of ran a little wheel route out of the backfield, went up the seam, and uh, whatever they did at halftime, whatever Coach Sturdy in the offense and what adjustments they made at halftime, it definitely worked. You know what? It wasn't the kind of dominating performance, but I think a game like this can be good for this team, you know, especially that we we didn't play well. I mean, no matter which way you look at it, we did not play well, but we played well when it mattered, you know, and, and the defense was very much bend, don't break. Um, you know, they were able to get stops in the red zone, and thanks to those, um, you know, Pitt State, they had, I think, a true freshman kicker as well, and uh, it was just a great just a great win. I mean, that that's, you know, not a great performance, but that's a great win. When the chips are down, I think this is a performance that this team can look back on, you know, because there's going to be some more tough games. I think this week against Washburn is, is going to be a tough game. Washburn's got a really good defensive line. They've stopped the run really well. and uh, But I think this team may be fired up and, and kind of re-energized and be able to take some of that momentum we saw the offense uh, gain in the second half last week. One of the things, though, I also wanted to talk about in relation to this game and this team and, and you know, my love for Northwest and, and my love for these Bearcats, it was so cool, one, to be able to share that with Eli. We always go to a Northwest game, but this game... Everything about it was special. If you follow me on social media, I posted some pictures and things. I didn't share the same on, on, on Twitter as I did on Facebook, but I want to say a shout-out and give a shout-out to Colin McDonough, the SID uh, at Northwest. He you know, wrote a nice little message on our media passes for us to pick up, said, Happy birthday, Eli. You know what? Probably not a big deal. I realized you know, it probably took 10 seconds to do, but that was a really cool thing. You know, it's just something like that. That helped make that day even more special. And it's things like that, I think, that that why so many of us love Northwest. You know, we're not we're not a Mizzou, we're not an Alabama, but you wouldn't get that, you know, anywhere else. And, you know, we're just small enough to kind of get the the personal touch and things. And that was so cool. And obviously, you know, the the getting the flag from the referee, that wasn't scripted. I mean, how could you? He didn't know that it was Eli's birthday. Still pretty cool. But but uh, Brody Buck, who's going to be my guest this week, and, you know, as a lot of these player interviews, you know, sometimes have to record them ahead of time. And I actually, you know, interviewed uh, Brody last week. But we were talking. I was kind of telling him a little about the podcast and that, that Eli and I were coming up to the game. And and he said, oh, well, you know, come." he invited us onto the field, said he wanted to wish Eli a happy birthday. Just what a cool thing. One, it's really cool that we as fans get to go down on the field after games and can, you know, give our uh, congratulations and, and what have it to the players and the coaches. But just for him to take a little bit of time, th that's pretty cool. You know, he's he's a you know, he's a student athlete. He's got other things going on. You know, got to meet his parents as well and uh, got to meet them actually at the scrimmage and sit by them a little bit. But that was, you know, it's just stuff like that. The, all of those things put together. That is why I have such a passion for this school and why I love Northwest so, um, so much. I mean, that, that was just cool. And I'm an emotional guy. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm also a pretty genuine guy. Uh, if I say something, I mean it. I, I am nice to most people. But, uh, you know, if, if I say a thank you or, or 
or something like that. I tr really, truly mean it. You know, what a great thing. You know, Eli and I will remember this forever. In fact, he's going to go with me. We're going to the to the game uh, in Topeka this week. But, you know, this is it was just one of the most special things. And, of course, the game and the comeback and all of those things were great. But all of these things, you know, you want to want some insight to Matt Daniel. Who am I? You know, who's this guy hosting this podcast? That. And he, why why is he so crazy about Northwest football? A lot of different reasons for a lot of things over the years. But, you know, it, it's instances like that. And I love this school and I love my Bearcats so much. And that's, you know, all of that plays into it. And it, it's so cool to get to get to share that with, uh, you know, with my kiddos and, and with Eli. And that was it, a lot of people went into making that a really special day. And uh, I truly appreciate that. So that was pretty fun. Well, let's take a break. I mentioned a guy, Birdie Buck, of course. Voice of the Bearcats, John Coffey. The voice of the Ichabods, former player Jake LeBon. He'll be joining me as well. Devin Albertson, MIAA columnist from D2Football.com. Of course, we'll have Bearcat trivia and a Bearcats according to Eli. All that's coming up here on Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. Welcome back here on Bleeding Green and happy to be joined in this week's player interview by super senior linebacker number 50, Brody Buck. Brody, man, thanks for uh, coming on the podcast with me. Hey, thanks for having me. So you were uh, fr from Omaha. Um, I know you lettered in high school and, and basketball as well as football. D did you play any other sports growing up? Yeah, I played um, obviously basketball and football. Um, I played my senior year. I ended up doing track. Uh, I threw shot, so I tried doing the whole runner thing and everything, and it just was my thing. So I just started throwing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right, nice, nice. Was was football always your first love? Um, I would say, when since I was a young kid, basketball probably was my first um, 
first love because I just enjoyed playing the game so much. But quickly I realized that uh, being the height that I am, six foot and, and not being super athletic and really good at shooting the ball, I, I figured uh, football was going to be my sport. <laughs> so Right. What, uh, what position did you play in, in basketball? Um, just anything I could get. Uh, on the court, I'd play four or three mostly. Uh, sometimes I'd have to play reserve center, which, like I said, I was a little bit um, <laughs> not tall enough to play that position. But, yeah, sometimes I'd play reserve center, but mostly three or four. And in football, was it was it always linebacker? Did you play other positions as well? Well, <clears throat> I grew up – I kind of started football when – I started playing tackle football when I was in second grade just because I was a bigger kid. And so I played on the line, you know, whether that's center, nose guard, or, or guard up until probably, I think, seventh grade, and then I started playing linebacker. But, um, yeah, then, then I kind of figured linebacker would be my bread and butter once I was in seventh and eighth grade is kind of when I decided that. Well, sure, and had a lot of success um, at Millard North up in Omaha, your first team All-State. Uh, you guys also won a state championship. Do you have a favorite game or, or a favorite memory from your uh, high school days? Um, Yeah, I think uh, my – so, yeah, my senior year, we were playing Belle, Bellevue West, which at the time, they already beat us in the season. Um, it was uh, the semi – like, whoever won this game, the semifinal game would go to state. And they already beat us prior to that year, um, week seven, and they were undefeated. And we actually, you know, held them to overtime. And then in the second overtime, we ran a, uh, a double reverse because we had the wing T offense. And we ran a double reverse and, and ended up winning the game. And it was, it was, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we'll talk about, you know, after your high school days were over, kind of the recruiting process. What kind of offers were you looking at out of high school? Yeah, so I was um, my whole senior year. I was talking to teams like South Dakota State, uh, University of Northern Iowa, um, Iowa State. Talked to me a little bit, um, and so mainly like I would get offers from a lot of the D two um, D two schools. But once I got an offer from Northwest, it was like, okay, if I'm going D two, I'm going Northwest. It just makes the most sense because um, of their program and how close they are to home. So I was trying to focus on if I could get, obviously, that D1 offer. And um, nothing really uh, fell through. Like, there was – like, when I went to Iowa State, they they offered me, uh, you know, preferred walk-on and stuff like that. And it just – it wouldn't compare as far as what Northwest was giving me money-wise. And I would have to pay, I think, like $35,000 uh, out-of-state tuition at Iowa State. So it just – it was not uh, – there's not a hard decision to make to end up coming here. So, yeah, well, and, and, you know, we always talk about Omaha. I mean, you know, when I was in Northwest in the early two thousands, um, you know, I, I think I had guys on either side of me in the dorms. They were both from Omaha. And so a lot of Omaha kids come down, uh, come down to Northwest and yeah. So the, I think the, the proximity is, is probably pretty helpful. Also the fact that, you know, we're, we're coming off a national championship as you're, um, you know, as, as you're getting recruited as well and, and, yep. you know, our defense. So I'm sure that was a factor too. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I knew cause my, my first year here was 2016. And so I watched the 2015 national championship 
And I'm like, man, that'd be so cool to play for a national championship. Um, and then I ended up getting to experience it my true freshman year, uh, 2016, watching the, those guys go and win it in the super freezing um, snowy game in Sporting KC. So that was, that was pretty cool to watch as well. Yeah, 2015 was much more pleasant to watch that game in yeah. person. Yeah, um, it was. Yeah, we were, we were all kind of taking, uh, <laughs> battling dangerous road conditions and other things to get to to get there in 2016 for sure. Yeah. Um, well, you've already graduated, right? With one degree, what what's uh, what's your major, and then what what degree are you working on now? So yeah, I graduated with um, in 2019 December. I graduated with uh, business management, my undergrad, and then. Since then, I've been working on my uh, master's of business administration, just general business uh, emphasis. And actually, today is my, I have my last assignment at Northwest today due. <laughs> so once I get done with this assignment today, I'll be uh, done until I walk on the 10th or whatever it is in December. All right. So do you have you know kind of what the plans are uh, after after school yeah i'll I'll do all this mba and everything i won't even use it <laughs> i'm uh i since i was a since i was young i i've helped my dad renovate homes and uh do that kind of stuff so i think i'm just kind of following his footsteps and start flipping houses on my own so nice well you know you, you talk about the the super seniors which you're one of w when you were thinking about you know coming back for this this 2021 season um although i'm sure you're glad you've done it now was it a difficult decision for you at the time um it was like for me personally it wasn't very difficult uh just because i kind of knew after i left here i was going to do a job that i didn't need to start right away or didn't need to get like certain experience or something like that. Um, and I knew that we got a new offensive coordinator and our offense was going to be, you know, the best offense uh, since probably 2016. Um, so I knew that going in. So that made the decision really easy for me. Um, and obviously it's kind of like one of those things. It's like I, I came here and I started something. I, I kind of want to see it through and finish it. So for me, it was a pretty easy decision, but for a lot of guys who had jobs lined up or, or maybe had to lean on some income coming in after uh, their December season, you know, they, they didn't really have such an easy choice that I did, you know, so... Yeah, no, absolutely. Don't don't blame anybody. Yeah, kind of, you know, some guys put life on hold and some couldn't. And that's, you know, that's just yeah. the way that it goes. Well, yeah. uh, well, Brody, kind of the last thing here is was what I like to call the pick six, just kind of six questions to, to throw at you. And and some of them are kind of goofy. But uh, but first off, um, the first question is, do you have any superstitions or game day rituals uh, that you do? Um, Game day rituals. I don't know if it'd be a game day ritual, um, but I mean, I, as, as some of the defensive players at Northwest, we have like a a meeting in the weight room uh, on for home games, and so a lot of us like to get a quick little workout in, um, just because you know most of the time, like if we have a game at one thirty, we're we're starting meetings at you know, seven thirty eight. So there's just a lot of like waiting around and just everybody's kind of 
anxious and you're ready to get going. So at that meeting time, I think it's at like 1145, we, we kind of just let some of that anxiety and, and you know, built up uh, ready to go-ness <laughs> let it out in the weights a little bit. So that could be one of them for sure. All right, perfect. And second question here in the pick six, do you have a favorite place on campus? Favorite place besides my house, probably. But on campus, I, I mean, obviously now I think I would say the locker room um, just because it's, it's crazy. It's crazy nice. The whole renovation process, it's like I don't want to leave it because it's so nice. I want to soak up all I have, all the time that I have in, in that locker room. So. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I will, yeah. I will say that. That's it's yeah, pretty it's impressive. Wild. It's wild. All right. Are, are you, uh, third question here on the pick six, are you yay or nay on a pineapple on pizza? Definitely nay. I, I think it's ludicrous how people put fruit on uh, pizza. We had a we had a question in the training room uh, if it belonged in, on pizza, if pineapple belonged on pizza, and the majority of people said yes, which again I think is crazy. I think uh, it can go on pizza if that's your thing, but it definitely doesn't belong on pizza. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. All right, fourth question of the pick six: What's the last TV show that you binge watched? Um, probably Game of Thrones. Probably, I was kind of late late to the start. Um, but just recently, probably, I don't know, a couple months ago, I finished it, and it's probably one of the best shows I've ever seen. So, awesome, awesome. All right, and uh, fifth question here: Why number fifty? <laughs> um, so I wore I wore nine in high school, uh, my junior and senior year. And then kind of when I got here, they just gave me 50. And I remember I was going to switch to nine my or the 2019 season, but uh, that's Mikey Hohensey's number. And so we had this big dispute, and it meant a lot more for him to be nine. I guess I just kind of like, well, this is the number they gave me, so I'll just kind of just live with it. <laughs> There's not a huge background to it. <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. And last question is, uh, once your playing days here at Northwest are over, what do you want people to remember about you? Um, I think that's a that's a pretty deep question for me. Um, you know, I, I, as I, I am a, a Christian, and I think one of the things that I've really worked hard to um, put forth in my legacy is that, you know, he was a guy who loved the Lord. And kind of one of the things that I've done ever since I got here is just kind of talking about God, talking about faith and helping some of my teammates, you know, along, um, along the room because this faith journey and everything is just really tough and especially tough to do alone. So I think, um, one of, one of the things I hope somebody remembered by is obviously that would be that, that worked really hard, the, the sport I love, but also that I, uh, I love the Lord. So. Yeah, perfect. All right, Birdie. Well, that's all I've got for you, man. I appreciate you coming on and uh, coming on and joining me here on the podcast and wish you the best of luck here uh, throughout the rest of the season. Hey, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.
and welcome back here on Bleeding Green. It's now time to go into the press box, joined, as I am every week, by the voice of the Bearcats on the Bearcat Radio Network, John Coffey. And, John, boy, we've got a, got a big game to talk about from this last week. Huh? What, a, what a matchup it was with, uh, with the Gorillas. Yeah, it, it was a fun game and a well-played game, I think, really, from both sides for the most part. Of course, Northwest dug themselves a little bit of a hole, but uh, fortunately they were able to find a way to dig themselves out of it and uh, pick up a win. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, Pitt State was able to do things, especially in the first half, I think that we haven't seen teams be able to do against the Bearcats. You know, they were able, although they didn't have a, a lot of yards rushing, they were able to run the ball. You know, they they outrushed um, Northwest. You know, they were able to, to sustain some drives. And even into the second half, of course, the thing that kind of saved <laughs> saved the Cats in the end was that that defense tightened up once, you know, once the, the gorillas got in the red zone. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I think uh, Pitt State came in with a very good game plan and really showed uh, Northwest some things uh, that they hadn't seen on that tape leading into that, both on offense and defense. And it took a little bit of adjustment period for Northwest to uh, kind of figure that out. And as they uh, do a lot of times at halftime, able to come back out with uh, some adjustments and uh, seem to pay off there in the second half. But uh, I think really for the entire game, you look at the defense. Uh, I don't I know it's a, a cliche, but they were able to bend and not break. Uh, they gave up that first uh, touchdown on the first drive of the game, but then forced field goals the rest of the way, and that was just huge from the standpoint of uh, giving Northwest offense a chance to uh, get back in the ball game once they got a few things to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then in that second half, of course, the the second half couldn't have started any worse from the Bearcats' point of view. Already down thirteen nothing, and then you know we think, okay, you know, here we go. We get the ball first, and the deflected pass interception puts uh, you know puts Pitt State right on Northwest doorstep. Although the defense came through again, and uh, I th- I think that you know allowing a touchdown there, who knows? Maybe the game turns out differently. But it, it seemed like the it, at least you know after kind of the air goes out of the stadium on that interception that uh, you know the defense kind of got a little bit of that momentum back and then we saw that in the next you know in the next drives on offense yeah I agree I think uh, that that really I, I think uh, gave the Northwest a little momentum even though they gave up some points but it could have been a whole lot worse in that situation and I, I think you just really have to go back to just uh, the character of the, the players on this team that uh, never say die mentality and they just didn't feel like they were ever out of it and just uh, found a way to get it done so uh, it's just uh, a great mentality that this team has and we've seen it through the years with Bearcats football and I think this team uh, much like past teams where they just feel like they're very in every every game until the very end well and and you know you, you you go back to you know the mel churchman days right and the and the mel magic and on those fourth quarter comebacks and things where he felt that and and you know i would assume that plays into it for other teams as well when you know when we kind of got things going in the second half it's you know from, from a pit state point of view is oh no here they come <laughs> kind of thing and, and we felt that i felt that you know in the, in the stadium yeah, I, I really think so, uh, because it's happened so many times. And, and of course, uh, with this uh, group in particular, uh, and even for on the Pitt State side, too, a completely new uh, group of kids that haven't faced that in the past. But uh, you got to feel that the, the uh, reputation that Northwest has coming in may have played a little bit of a factor in that in the second half. But uh, I think as much as anything, just the way they were able to execute in the second half played uh, the, the major role in coming back and winning that one. Yeah, well, I think, you know, some of us fans, you know, were 
a little underwhelmed by the offensive performance in in the first half, and it was it was just so shocking that we couldn't run the ball. I think it took took some time to adjust, but you know we're we're kind of seeing that as as Coach Sturdy gets settled in, and and uh, you know they had a great game plan in the second half, and we saw you know a first first collegiate touchdown for Jaden Brady, the freshman from Savannah. That was pretty exciting, and just just some things we were able to do. It it looked like we really you know, took what happened in the second half and were kind of able to, to use that, you know, utilize the tight ends and, and, uh, you know, allocate them kind of from the slot and, uh, and really do some nice things and, and turn that around. And, and Mike Owensy too, from, you know, a, a rough start to the game and he still kind of got, you know, battling that ankle, um, you know, really came out and, and, you know, kind of building his legend and he, he was clutch. Yeah, I think so. And, and again, I, it's, I think it goes back to the Pitt State's game plan coming in uh, on the defensive side, too, where they were just showing some looks that Northwest hadn't seen and took them a while to maybe uh, uh, for, kind of reformulate reformulate uh, their game plan just a little bit. And as uh, they were able to do that again, second half, they uh, countered what Pitt State was doing and uh, resulted in uh, some big gains. Al McKellar, I think, uh, was able to pick up some yardage to, due to a lot to uh, just the offensive line doing a much better job second half uh, opening up some holes. And then just, uh, again, you talked about uh, Hauncey and some big passes there. Uh, I think everything began to come together again once they had a chance to regroup and uh, kind of formulate uh, how to counterattack what Pitt State was doing defensively. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's funny statistically. You know, up, up on the up on the big screen on the uh, you know in the stadium, they put it up. At, always put that up at the end of the game, and it was just kind of amazing. Amazing, and and I'm you know stats don't tell the whole story, and this was a perfect example of that game because just about everything you looked at, if you if you took the team's names off there, and uh, and even took the score off, you you would look at the stats. You know, Pitt State outgained us you know we had two turnovers they didn't have any but it was ultimately those stops in the red zone forcing field goals instead of touchdowns and and you know you talk about the heart and the character of this team this is really the first time that they've had to face really adversity this season at least having to come from behind yeah you know we we were you know there was adversity in the in the Fort Hayes game but you know we were at least playing from from ahead in that one and the defense was playing really well this was just a little bit different game and it was nice to see you know the like you said the team respond and respond in a big way yeah, again, statistically, there's probably uh, uh, no way that Northwest should have won that game. But again, they just found a way to get it done. And that's probably a, a game, and I know our coach right after the game uh, said this as well, that uh, was good for them as far as the standpoint now that they haven't really been tested up to this point. As you mentioned, maybe just a bit in the Fort Hay State game. But uh, from the standpoint of having to dig down and uh, make some plays to come up with the win. So hopefully this is something that uh, this team can uh, grow from and it, and even though they struggled a bit, they found a way to pick up the win and uh, can uh, can uh, build off of this the rest of the way. Yeah, absolutely, something something to draw from if you know if they face adversity in the future. Well, I think you've got a tough matchup this week going to Topeka, playing Washburn. You know, Pitt's uh, Pitt's defensive line played pretty well, stopping the run. I think this is probably the best defensive line Northwest is going to face at least up to this point, and maybe in the MIAA this season. Um, Washburn, you know, has had a couple of games where they've given up some points, but yardage wise, you know, I think they're the number three rush defense in the MIAA, and and uh, you know, if, if you go back. 
I don't know. I guess it's been a while. You know, maybe this is me show you know showing my age, but back in the, um, you know, about ten years ago or so, you know, and in, in the previous ten years before that, it was always a close game. We always knew we were going to get tested. Um, you know, facing Washburn, and I think this could be you know one of those uh, one another one of those big matchups. I think this is a this is going to be a going to be a good game and a, and a tough one as well. Yeah, I agree with you there. Washburn's just a very well-coached team. They have been through the years. Uh, I'm impressed with what Craig Shurik's been able to do at uh, Washburn. And, uh, you know, he's one of the um, uh, old-timers in the league now as far as coaches go. And he's got a really great uh, coaching tree that people have been assistants under him, kind of out and had a lot of success, too. So, yeah, I, he does a lot of things well. And I think he's got uh, the, really the parts in place here to – uh, have a very good season this year. They probably lost a couple of games when you look at the, what uh, the way those turned out that maybe they shouldn't have. But so they, they come in, I think, with a lot of confidence. They've got some very skilled players on both sides of the ball, and uh, Northwest is going to be tested again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you look at his son, the quarterback, you know, maybe the, the best, uh, you know, pure passing pocket passer in the league um with Mitch Schurig and and you know they definitely have some weapons on offense and I think their defense you know is underrated too and it's just uh you know when you you go back to you know those those great matchups kind of in the early 2000s I know what you know we've won what is it 15 in a row something like that against Washburn and they've only uh, only beat us one time since um since 95 but um, you know, but there've been a lot of close, uh, close games over the year. And, you know, it's, it's usually a pretty good, uh, you know, pretty good atmosphere and things. Jaeger stadium is kind of a, uh, kind of a fun place to play, uh, and a little bit underrated, you know, talk about the jungle and talk about, you know, maybe Warrensburg and, and of course, Bearcat stadium. But I think Jaeger's a, a fun place to play as well. Yeah. They've done a lot of nice things through the years, uh, renovating that, uh, facility and, uh, uh, from a press box standpoint, it's one of the nicer ones that we go into uh, around the conference. And uh, they've uh, really worked to make it a, a good game day atmosphere there. And uh, I think it's paying off for the Ichabods and has paid off through the years for them. And uh, Northwest has had some exciting ones that go down the stretch and into overtime in uh, Topeka. So uh, hopefully we don't have to have the type of finish we had last week. But I uh, do anticipate that it's going to be a pretty well-played game. And uh, and I, I think Northwest comes in plays well, of course. So they've uh, should uh, come out with a W, but uh, they're going to have to come out and execute well against a very fundamentally sound team in Washburn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think maybe you know, a bit maybe a, a wake up call, overcoming that adversity. I think you, we're going to see a, a nice bounce back game for the Cats this week. Well, uh, John, as always, I, I appreciate you. Appreciate you coming on, and and uh, we'll chat again next week. Hopefully, talking about a, a big Bearcat win. Well, I hope so. And there he is, the voice of the Bearcats on the Bearcat Radio Network, John Coffey here as we go into the press box each week here on Bleeding Green. Well, since we've got the, the green point of view, the Bearcat point of view, let's now go to the other sideline. And I'm happy to welcome uh, the voice of the Washburn Ichabods on KTPK in Topeka. He's a former player as well, Jake Lebon. And Jake, man, thanks for coming on the podcast. You bet. Anytime. Well, let's talk about the four and two uh, Ichabods. Big win this past weekend in overtime, beating Hayes twenty three to twenty. You know, I I think it was a game that maybe surprised people, probably outside of Topeka a little bit when you guys had lost to Emporia the week before. Hayes coming off that big comeback uh, win over Carney, and but that's that's a big win. That's a big win for you guys. Yeah, it really, really was. Um, Washburn. Um, kind of let the, the game against Emporia slip away, uh, had too many turnovers. And in the game against Hayes, defensively, they played uh, very, very well, holding 
one of the better offenses in the MIAA to just 17 points uh, in regulation, which is almost unheard of nowadays. And to be able to come away with the victory against uh, Fort Hayes State, I think, um, really could give this team a boost uh, of confidence. Um, for some odd reason, uh, Hayes and Washburn always play very, very close at uh, Jaeger Stadium in Topeka. So uh, I was not surprised at the at the outcome, knowing these two teams and knowing the coaching staff on both sides, both as a player and as a broadcaster. Um, it, it wasn't a surprise to me, the end result. Yeah, no, it was, it was a great game, and that's that's the thing. You know, when you talk about the Ichabods, I mean, I, I want to talk about defense in a minute, but let's, of course, talk about the offense. It all starts with the coach's son, quarterback Mitch Schurig, averaging 300 yards, three touchdowns a game, had three touchdowns again over the weekend. He cut down on those turnovers that you saw against, uh, against Emporia. And he's, you know, I, I think he was in that conversation for the best, uh, you know, maybe like uh, maybe kind of the second tier, but I think he's, he's put himself right up there with, with, uh, you know, as one of the best, you know, if not the best passing quarterback in 2021 in the MIAA. Yeah. Mitch had a fantastic year throwing the football. When you look at it individually, I mean, how are you going to argue with 20 touchdown passes in five games? I mean, that's, that's a, or excuse me, 18 touchdown passes in five games. Um, if you're throwing it over 300 yards a game, you're, you're getting the job done. Um, a wet football did not help out Mitch in the game against Emporia State. It rained pretty much the entire game, and that was a, a, a big issue for uh, Mitch uh, against Emporia. And then the other game that he had um, some turnovers, uh, miscommunication between quarterback and wide receiver. The ball was placed. In, in a good spot, but someone ran a wrong route, miscommunication. And then the other one was uh, a Hail Mary at the end of the game against Nebraska Kearney. But Mitch has played very, very well uh, in in some big games. Uh, throwing the football, fantastic against Missouri Western, scoring 47. And then uh, being able to put the ball in the money uh, in the game against Fort Hayes State and not really putting it in harm's way. Uh, Mitch played outstanding against uh, against Fort Hayes State on Saturday. Well, he's got some great playmakers. You talk Letcher Jr., who's averaging over 150 all-purpose yards a game. Jace Williams, a good deep threat. Uh, the running back, Peters, who who uh, is a leading rusher, but also I think has the second most catches on the team. So there, he's, he seems to have a lot of weapons as well. Yeah, Letcher's electric. Uh, he's worth the price of admission. I mean, he he's 5'8", 160 pounds soaking wet. But you, you you can't catch him. I mean, he's so fast, um, runs great routes, and and he's 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 a complete game changer. Uh, Jace Williams has been beat up a little bit, but at six foot five, two hundred thirty pounds, uh, he is a red zone target as well. Um, those two are the are the main guys, but they've helped out with a few other uh, playmakers who've helped out. They've used the tight end a lot more the last couple of games. Uh, so no question about it. Uh, they've got some uh, guys who can make some plays on the outside. Oh, and what about the offensive line? I mean, is that is that a question mark statistically? Now, I, I wasn't able to watch the game, but I did see, you know, that Hayes got six sacks last week. And, and obviously, you know, you, you're battling Northwest defensive line. Is, is uh, you know, is, is that an issue at times, or was it just a, a bad matchup against Hayes? I, I think it was um, a, a bad matchup, bad game. Also, Washburn was without one of their starting uh, left tackles for the majority of the game. 
Um, but that is going to be the, the biggest concern for for the game coming up on Saturday in Topeka is if if Washburn can can slow down the Northwest pass rush. I think Washburn has a chance man to man on the outside to, to do some things. Uh, but that that's going to be the entire key for both offense and defense is whoever wins the battle inside in the trenches is going to win the football game. No question. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we talk too much about this Saturday's matchup, let's talk about the defense because other than a couple of hiccups, look at the Emporia game, which I think maybe the turnovers just put the, because yardage wise didn't give up a ton of yards in that game. Of course, the Western game's kind of an outlier. Other than that, you know, the, the defense has played pretty well. You hold Carney to their lowest point total of the season thus far. And I think going into the season, maybe a, a lot of us thought, you know, out, outside of Topeka thought, the defense could be pretty good for Washburn, and I think you know that's something that that's kind of proved true. Yeah, statistically, these are the two best defenses when you look at it. Total yardage, Northwest player far and away uh, the 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 better uh, defense. But I mean, Washburn giving up 355 yards um, in the game. I mean, the last two games, you give up 290 yards to an offense that was averaging 330 just simply passing in Emporia. And then Fort Hayes State had the best offense going in to the game yardage-wise, and Washburn held them to 17 points. So um, the defensive line has played uh, very well. They're very deep up front. Um, linebacker could be an issue. Washburn had their one of their starting linebackers miss, uh, get injured in the game against Hayes, so we'll have to wait and see there. Um, Secondary-wise, they've been up and down, but overall, uh, defensively, the last two games have been very good. Yeah, well, and that's, you know, the big matchup, right, is Northwest running, you know, rushing attack versus Washburn, the number three rush defense, uh, statistically anyway, yards per game-wise in the MIAA. How much, you know, you couple the Hayes win with looking at, you know, Pitt State was able to do some pretty good things in Maryville, run the ball a little, you know, have a little bit more success than teams have been traditionally able to move the ball, although it was, you know, field goals instead of touchdowns. You know, how much does that, make the team maybe a little more optimistic or, or am I simplifying it too much and they, they feel like they have a chance against anybody? Yeah, they feel like they've got a chance against anybody. Um, if Washburn um, defensively, and, and losing Braden Wright is a huge deal, I mean, because their passing game is not nearly what it was uh, if he doesn't go down. Um, so Washburn will definitely think that they've, they've got a chance in this one. And their run defense is, is good. I mean, Hayes, I mean, Adrian Soto was averaging eight yards per carry coming into the game, and he averaged three. Washburn's run defense is pretty stout. Um, and if I were to say, you know, if there was a weakness, it would be the secondary. Well, Northwest doesn't throw it as much as they used to, uh, obviously, with the backup quarterback. So um, I do think that uh, the matchup um, does help out that Northwest is not as balanced as they've been in the past. Well, and I think if this defense, maybe the the Bearcat defense, I should say, has a weakness, it it's that you know it's maybe the passing game, and uh, you know that that seems to kind of play right into the strength you know of this of this Washburn team as well. And you know, his, historically, and you know, and I know looking at it, the the you know the stats in the last you know what Northwest has won the last fifteen meetings, but you know I I always. Re- think of this game you know as a close game 2017 it was maybe not the last 10 years or so but boy there was you know before that it seems that every single time these two teams played although northwest has won every matchup 
except one going all the way back to 1995. Um, it seems like Washburn always puts up a fight against the Bearcats. Yeah, for a, a real good stretch, Washburn did. Um, what's funny is I was part of the, the last team to beat Northwest in 2005 in Maryville. Um, and ever since then, you know, Northwest has won every single game. Now from 2008 to 2013, they were really, really close games. A couple uh, one-possession games, a couple, you know, three-point games, a one-point game. But uh, most recently, it's, it's been dominated by Northwest just because up front they've been so much better uh, than basically every other team in the league. Yeah. Well, well and I think, you know, it, it, it's funny. I don't know, maybe not funny, but it's interesting because if you look at Northwest traditional rivals, you you know, you're looking at Pitt State, Missouri Western, you throw Central in there. But, you know, so so maybe Washburn's not on that list. But to me, as a fan anyway, I always go into this game thinking, okay, you know, this is going to be a tough matchup, even though, yeah, you know, maybe the last 10 years or so, um, you know, eight, 10 years, not necessarily, but, um, I, I think this has got the, the, uh, um, what am I trying to say here? Got the potential to be a really good matchup this Saturday and close game. Yeah, I, I think it does because this is Washburn's one of Washburn's better teams in the last four or five years, I think. Uh, collectively, offense, defense, and uh, especially up front. Um, and with with Wright going down, I mean, Wright was fantastic two years ago in 2019. He was a terrific quarterback. And, I mean, there's a reason why he was the starting quarterback. And he him going down is, is a loss for Northwest just because they're not as multiple, I don't think. But uh, no question – um, Washington's going to have to play about as perfect as they can. Hey, or excuse me, uh, Pitt State almost did, but uh, one missed field goal. I mean, that's that's the the difference in the game between uh, Pitt State and Northwest. But it, it all will determine turnovers, and then if Washburn up front, offensively and defensively, can find a way to get it done. Well, and I, I did notice looking through some box stores and statistics, speaking of the kicking game, Jake, that uh, that Washburn's used a, a different kicker. Seemed like the, the one kicker, was there an injury there? Or? Yes, uh, Washburn's uh, starting kicker dealing with an injury, so they've had their backup going the last couple of games. Gotcha. Well, you know, you never know. These these games sometimes come come down to that. Northwest is running a true freshman kicker out there. So, so uh, yeah, who knows, maybe some uh, some, you know, Put, put somebody like that in a, in a big spotlight come Saturday. Well, Jake, I appreciate you. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, and I appreciate it. You bet. No problem. Thanks for having me. That's voice of the Washburn Ichabods, Jake Lebon. He's also an alum and former wide receiver for uh, Washburn as well, so appreciate his time here on the podcast. You know, something that maybe you've noticed here recently in the last few episodes is the incorporation of some more marching band music. You know, we've talked about it at, at different times here on Bleeding Green of, of, you know, to me, the Bearcat marching band, Bobby Bearcat, cheerleaders, steppers, you know, they're all a big part of the game day experience at Bearcat Stadium. And, um, you know, since episode one, I've ended the show and I will continue to do so with the fight song. I just think it's fitting. Love it. It's good quality. 
I've had a difficult time getting other uh, audio of the Bearcat Marching Band. You know, the, so there's lots of background noise and other things, but, you know, to me, the marching band's a big part of the game day experience, so I've incorporated more of that into the podcast. Well, I want to thank Dr. Katie Strickland, the director of bands up at Northwest, for helping me out with some additional audio. Got Hey Baby, so I'm going to incorporate that. Let's listen to that. Take a break. We'll talk MIAA football with Devin Albertson next here on Bleeding Green. <laughs> Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. It's time to talk some MIAA. Joining me now, the columnist for D2Football.com for the MIAA, Devin Albertson. Devin, thanks, man, for uh, joining me again this week. we got a lot of big action to talk about. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Well, let's let's start with the game we were both at up in Maryville on uh, on Saturday, the big matchup, Pitt and Northwest. And, boy, it, it felt like... Um, you know, maybe not going into the game that it was going to be one of those epic matchups, you know, Bearcats and Gorillas, but uh, boy, it turned out being one of the greatest games, although from a Bearcat point of view, the, the first uh, quarter, uh, two, or two quarters plus a little bit into the third wasn't a whole lot of fun, but Bearcats had a big comeback and, and, and got a big win. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Pitt State, credit to them. They played really well there on Saturday, especially the first uh, three, three and a half quarters for them. Their old line is much bigger than I kind of expected after watching them online. They got some big hosses up front there. I mean, I was looking at the roster. It was six, well, 320 was at the smallest guy, so maybe 290 at the right tackle. But everyone else was between like 320 and 350. They were huge, and they were pushing guys to the point of attack. You don't see how the Northwest defense and kind of giving up some running games that I wasn't really expecting in that. So with that, the pass rush couldn't really get going, and they kind of exposed Northwest secondary a bit. So I give credit to Northwest for – tightening up inside the red zone kind of deal and forcing some field goal attempts. And that's really what kept them in this game was forcing Pitt to settle for three instead of touchdowns and Pitt State missing a couple of um, field goals during the fourth quarter kind of steal the win for Northwest. But for Northwest, it's that offense really struggled for about a two and a half quarters. And they finally got things going a little bit. Uh, I think Hohenstein finally got some trust in his ankle a little bit. And they were able to kind of trust him and put the ball in the field a bit. It kind of opened up that defense and gave Alan McKellar some more running room there in the second half. 
yeah, I definitely had it. But yeah, I'd heard the McKellar was a little bit banged up as well and not going into the game. But then I heard that after the fact. And I don't know if that, uh, you know, played into it at all. But yeah, you talk about Pitt running the ball. That's the thing I was probably the most surprised about was when they were able to run the ball. They had some holes and nobody this season has has been able to run the ball like that. Yeah, it's been a while. We haven't seen that since. Probably 2019, it was either Carney and Ferris. The only two teams that have really been able to do that the last couple of years in the Northwest where they just kind of pushed you around the line of scrimmage and get the running game going. And usually a rich right defense sniffs that in the butt pretty quickly in the game, but they did not do that versus Pitt. And kind of let Pitt control the tempo of the game a little bit. And kind of put Northwest behind the eight ball that are on defense. Took them a while for them to kind of adjust. Took them two or three drives to kind of adjust what Pitt was doing with their uh, pulling guard and kind of attacking that single point of attack on the defense. And just get enough push up front. They kind of adjusted a couple of things, able to limit that as the game went on. But it was a really impressive showing by Pitt State and that new coaching staff did a really good job there for the Gorillas. Yeah, and especially, you know, it's not something we saw after, you know, we talked last week about obviously maybe they were overlooking Southern a little bit to focus on that game against Maryville and, and uh, you know, against Northwest in Maryville. And so, um, yeah, so it was a good showing for them. And, and they, you know, I think the, the things look good for Pitt the rest of the year. So that'll be, uh, we'll see how they how they do uh, here the rest of the season. Yeah, for sure. They've already played Kearney and Northwest. They lost both teams. So they've already played them, so they still got like Washburn and Missouri Western left and teams like that. But they beat Emporia. They still got to play four days. So they got their I mean, they finished the year with two losses. They could be on the outside looking in kind of deal, but at least they'll be in the discussion for the playoffs, maybe a bowl game kind of deal. They're a good football team. They you kinda of saw the flashes there and maybe they're trying to put things together a little bit here later in the season. And teams are gonna when we play Northwest. If they're not scared of the uniform to start out with and they actually play at Northwest, they can play with them a little bit, so this state has some talent. They're maybe a year or two away from really winning the conference. But, I mean, they're a solid football team. I think Northwest came out just too flat. Pitt State put a lot more energy in that first half. You could tell I was down there on the sideline. And just Pitt State was into that game. And Northwest was kind of sleepwalking the first half of it. And that's a dangerous place to be versus a, a conference rival like Pitt State. Yeah, absolutely. We'll uh, talk about another rivalry game last week was the only Thursday night game, UCO and Northeastern State in the Governor's Cup, and UCO keeps kind of rotating their quarterbacks again. Stephon Brown ran for a couple of touchdowns. Keats Galoud came in through the ball. Not even close. They they kind of bum-rushed Northeastern State. I don't know that there's a whole lot to say about that game. I actually flipped it on last uh, last Thursday night, just kind of see what was going on, and it was late in the first half, and it wasn't even a game. And on, honestly, I I just kind of flipped it off right after that. Yeah, I was sitting in my apartment on Thursday night. And I was like, oh yeah, there's a game on. That. I want to see the score is, but I think it turned it was like forty two seven. Like, oh, I didn't miss a whole lot with that one, so that's, that's too bad. Kind <laughs> of um, We kind of waited for UCO's offense to kind of ignite. It kind of a little bit last week. Uh, versus Lincoln, kind of a get-right game. They kind of continued that this week versus Northeastern, and things they needed to do to kind of right the ship down there in Edmond, Oklahoma. Uh, so a good win for them, and Northeastern State kind of back to the drawing board. This is another one of those weird little trifectas in the conference where UCO um, lost to Southern. Northeastern beat Southern, but UCO stopped Northeastern. Does not make any sense when you look at it on the schedule and stuff on there? But UCO is just a better team, and good for them to get that win. Yeah, definitely. Well, then, um, you know, talk about teams kind of right in the ship, maybe. UCM, you know, Central had a good performance last week, beating Emporia 45-38. Logan Tweehouse kind of seems to be their answer at quarterback, 400 yards, three touchdowns for him. Cameron Saunders, 200 yards receiving. And so it looks like Coach Svoboda's finally got the offense uh, clicking down in Warrensburg. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think 
no one was better was happier to count a good October than Central Missouri. They had a really tough August September there to start the year. I know it was a tough schedule, but man, they didn't look good in those games either. So they finally got the offense kind of going here. I mean, they were up by 17 points there start of the fourth quarter. So they were in control of this game for most of it kind of deals. So they're look pretty good. Sweet House over 400 yards. I mean, they got the running game going a little bit there with Wilkerson as well. So I mean, they got some talent on the outside. They finally started to get those guys the ball a little bit more and a little more effectively, and it's really uh, paid off for them. So uh, they're a really good football team uh, at this point, kind of going forward. I mean, they're not a really good football team, but they're a improving football team that's dangerous late in the year. Maybe they can knock some teams off um, and kind of play the spoiler alert this year after being the favorite two years ago. Yeah, well, and they, you know, they played that that front-loaded, tough schedule. So, you know, I think there's a, they got a shot at a winning record. You know, they're sitting here at two and four, and yeah, the record doesn't look great, but you know, they have, their schedule is pretty favorable. I think the rest of the way, and yeah, if they can keep the offense rolling, um, you know, they they've got a shot to at least kind of salvage this season when it looked real bad through four games. Oh yeah, for sure. They got Fort Hayes here in a couple of weeks, and they could possibly beat them in Western and really kind of. Um, get back to the winning ways, maybe finish 7-4, and four. they could win out. There's not out of the realm of possibility with them, with a good coach, and kind of figuring things out as the year goes on. Well, and Emporia is a kind of an interesting team. We'll talk about them kind of previewing this week's game. But Braden Gleason, you know, we've talked about him um, so far this season. He threw the ball 67 times. He did have 497, which is pretty impressive. No receiver over 100 yards. I just thought, wow, that, that's a ton of yards to not have a guy, not have a main receiver. Yeah. But, um, you know, he, he's kind of an interesting one as, as you know, we look at, at – I don't know, as I look at, you know, matchups for the Bearcats later in the year and, and the teams with good quarterbacks, that's that's one where, you know, there's so many teams in the MIAA that, you know, that that may finish with, you know, five, six, seven wins. And I think Emporia is kind of in that category where they beat Washburn a week ago and then they lose to Central. And, and uh, you know, with good quarterback play, even I guess they got it, although they were trailing um, most of the time, you know, that's, that's kind of interesting. I think that, you know, the, they're a decent team that can, you know, still rise up and cause problems for people. Yeah, for sure. And these are the last four weeks. A one-point loss at Missouri Western, a two-point loss at Pitt, a five-point home win versus Washburn, and then a seven-point loss at Central Missouri. I mean, they're in all these games. All these games are pretty much 50-50 for them. They just went one and three in that stretch kind of deal. They're a decent football team. They're just going to get pained about the kind of play because they got a good quarterback. Um, I like their coach over there. He does a really good job really turning that program around. So, they're just going to be a tough out each and every week. And they still got uh, Carney this week, and they got Fort Hayes and Northwest still. So they can still play the spoiler here late in the year, playing two of the top teams and kind of being a tough matchup for them. We'll see what Emporia kind of does there. But they're not a team that I'm going to write off. They might be a five, six win team, but that's a pretty solid five, six win team. There's uh, not a big gap between like eight in the conference and four. So like all those teams are right there in the middle. So you really can't take a week off there and have a lull. Yeah, no, you're you're 100 right there. Well, maybe the best game of the week, if if you don't count Northwest Pitt, although you know that one's kind of big swings of momentum in that game was kind of a back and forth game between Hayes and Washburn. And I think, I don't know, I was looking at okay, Hayes has finally put it together with the win in Nebraska Kearney, and then they go to Washburn, and Washburn's a good team. Um, you know, Mitch Schurg didn't turn the ball over. They get a 23-20 overtime win. Hayes missed a field goal in regulation that kind of ended up, I think being the difference in that game, they Washburn gets the stop in the first in overtime on the first possession. And then they score the touchdown to win Washburn's defense looks really good. Um, and again, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, it doesn't make sense, right? You're talking about the flip flop. Washburn loses to Carney Hayes beats Carney, but then Washburn 
beats Hayes. It's just kind of a crazy, crazy year. Yeah, as soon as you start, okay, I'm going to start trusting this team now going forward. They might be able to get something going. They lose the next week. I'm like, well, I don't know why I trusted them. I don't know what kind of with my head. There you've seen it with Fort Hayes. You've seen it with Washburn. All these teams kind of, you saw it with Missouri West a couple weeks ago, like, oh, maybe this team is turning the corner and they lose again. They shouldn't. These are just happening each and every week. So I think it's all about matchups. And I thought Fort Hayes would win this game kind of going in there. I thought they started to figure things out. The second half versus Carney, they're going to ride that in this week. And their offense just went stale this week. I give credit to Washburn on their defense, but you saw that defense give up 41 to Missouri Western just a couple weeks ago. So, no, it's not like their defense has been great all year. They just played really great on Saturday versus Fort Hayes when they needed to, and it's just going to make for a really uh, wonky season. I mean, you saw Washburn the week before look dead versus Emporia. They come back and beat Fort Hayes. So it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense week to week. So you just kind of have to uh, flip a coin in some of these games and just kind of go with some certain reasoning kind of deal and hope for the best in some of these games because they're just – complete point off yeah well then you know out in out in carney missouri western uh, loses to carney i think most of us probably had carney win in that game 35 14 tj davis does his thing 171 through the air three touchdowns he gets 74 and another touchdown on the ground um western's offense just kind of stagnating i know they've kind of rotating some quarterbacks i don't know if anthony vespo's battling some injuries they were only able to throw for 94 yards through the air and man you're exactly right talking about teams to trust western's a tough one to trust right now they seems like the the bottom has kind of fallen out of their season yeah i'm not sure what happened i know they had that tough loss to washburn there in the shootout and they played northwest and kind of took all the wind out of their offense a little bit they haven't been able to find it since uh since this past year only scoring 14 points at carney who we saw struggle defensively there versus washburn so it's just week to week, that's not sure what you're going to get from each one of these teams, just consistency-wise. Uh, Western, they do have Northeastern State this week um, at home, so they kind of have a chance to kind of right the ship a bit and kind of get things back right before they play Pitt State the following week. So I'm not sure with Missouri Western how they're going to finish this year. I mean, they're 2-4 and four right now. they got an uphill battle to finish above 500, but they still got Pitt and uh, UCM on the show. they got the three bottom of the conference that was Southern, uh, Northeastern, and Lincoln, but would I be surprised if Missouri Southern came up and upset Missouri Western there uh, in Joplin on uh, October 30th? No, just because I think Southern has that potential sometimes to play up a competition. So they played up with Pitt, they beat UCO. It's not a real impossible they could lose that game, but they could also go and beat Pitt State. So just kind of not sure what you're going to get from Missouri Western week in, week out. So I'm going to keep my eye on them as the season goes on, but they're kind of in a flux right now. Absolutely. When you talk about Southern, they get a big win over Lincoln, 52-32. The Lincoln scores a couple late touchdowns. Southern scores the first 24 points of the game. Wasn't really, um, you know, wasn't really that close of a game. But the thing about Lincoln is, one, their defense is absolutely terrible. They're giving up like 300 yards rushing a game, and Southern got right about that, right about 300 yards rushing over the weekend. But they're at least scoring some points. Jose Franklin, who was kind of missing the first few weeks of the season, he's you know back to rushing for over 100 yards a game, and and some. Mar Brake is a you know a quarterback who's who's you know seems like they finally found the answer at quarterback. So at least I mean I I don't know I don't know that they that they win a game. I don't I think those those chances are pretty much gone for them. But um, you know they've at least they at least maybe give fans a little bit of excitement and that they can maybe score some points. Yeah, for sure. I mean you said their defense is bad. It's 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 so bad. I was watching this. I looked at this past week and was writing an article. Okay, where's their defense kind of ranked nationally? Because usually the NCAA stats, Arlo Marcotte, the NCAA website stats. I was looking at it, and they are dead last in total defense and scoring defense by pretty wide margins over Wilson D2. And I'm like, that's not good. And they did the Northwest game, so it could have been worse. 
kind of deal. Missouri Southern, almost eight yards to carry, 318 yards on the ground. I mean, it's just, it's running through wide open lanes there against uh, Lincoln there on defense. But as you said, at least they're scoring some points, so it's a lot easier to watch that if you're losing 50 to 30 instead of 60 to 10 kind of deal. So it makes it a little easier to watch kind of deal, but they got to fix some of that defense. Right now, people are just running semi-trucks through holes kind of through that defensive line. So, uh, good win for Southern. They kind of needed that going forward. I kind of thought this game would be a little higher scoring just because weird things happen when teams about on the conference kind of meet up a little bit and kind of get more offense in those games. So, good win for most, though, and they kind of needed that going forward. We'll see what they do the rest of the year. Yeah, I need to give you props. You did. you Because I thought, oh, maybe they're not going to score as many points. You're like, no, these lower teams. And you were 100% right. So I'm, I'm going to give you props on on that one and uh, give you some credit for that on last week. <laughs> well, let's talk about this week's matchups. Let's let's start with out in Topeka, Northwest, traveling to Washburn. Um, and I, I don't know, looking at this game, I think this is maybe going to be the best defensive line that Northwest has faced. I mean, Pitts was obviously pretty good, but Washburn, you look at the Washburn defense and, you know, they gave up a bunch of points to Western. The Emporia game, they didn't give up a ton of yards. They just kept turning the ball over. And other than that, I mean, statistically, they have like the second or third best rushing defense in the MIAA, I think third. And, uh, you know, so I think Northwest could struggle to run the football. I think that's going to be the key, right? If you if you're Washburn and you're going to try to pull the upset, and I know what Northwest has won, I don't know, 15 in a row, something like that in in this series. But um, you know, for a stretch, and you know, the earlier 2000s, it was always a close game, even though Northwest would pull it out. And I think this could be kind of a throwback to that time. I think this is this is a tough matchup for for the Bearcats. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you said there was Washington, the rush defense, only allowing 114 yards a game, and third in the conference. Just behind Northwest at one, and Emporia at two. Pitt State, they're fourth in the conference at uh, rushing defense, kind of give you a kind of a gauge where they're kind of sitting at. So, I mean, Washington, they got a solid defense. They want to play, and they want to mess up this game a little bit. It's a messy game, kind of like how Pitt State did, and kind of keep it lower scoring, make Northwest grind out drives on offense, and see if they can execute on offense um, all the way on the field with that rushing attack, and see if Owen C can. Um, hit some guys. One thing I will say about Northwest last week, they hit the tight ends and the slot receiver a little bit more than they have in the past, and it was really good to see they kind of open things up a little bit more than just hey, quick runs and either a check down or a deep bomb to Donadell or Davis. Something in between there to kind of get the defense another level to look at and kind of defend on defense is really good um, going forward. Well, and, and kind of that's oh, looking ahead. at right there with that, um, and just making sure that the offense is a little more varied and making sure they can do some things. Um, to make them harder to defend going forward. Yeah, well, Northwest only had five rushing first downs in that game last week um, against Pitts, so that's going to be big. I mean, I think the Bearcats win this game, but I think uh, I think it's a kind of a tough uh, tough slugfest. And I, I and who knows? I, I've I've been wrong <laughs> the last few weeks yeah. if if I think games are going to be close or not. But I think this has a potential to be a pretty good game. If you look at Washburn, sure, a, a veteran quarterback who can take some hits and kind of stay in the pocket and deliver the ball, and that's not great for Northwest secondary because they rely heavily on the Northwest D-line getting some pressure and making the quarterback make mistakes. I think Shurig's uh, experienced enough to keep the ball out of harm's way. He's had a couple of turnover games this year, but he keeps the ball clean. This could be a real tough game for Northwest. I'm kind of intrigued to how they can respond on the road for some um, adversity like that instead of being in the safe confines of Bearcat Stadium. 
right? Well, and Hayes did sack him six times last week. I think Washburn was missing their starting left tackle. So, you know, that may get, uh, you know, Sam Roberts, Zach Howard, those guys kind of salivate and maybe they'll have a chance to uh, kind of tee off. It'll be, a, yeah, that'll be a definitely one to watch. Well, let's, um, you know, down, down the road, Emporia host Carney. Um, you know, I think maybe this is another close game, but, you know, looking at it, like most of Carney's games, I think, you know, TJ Davis is probably the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And and for you to say, there's a kind of weird matchup. We saw versus against Fort Hayes. Hayes is able to attack some Carney secondary vertically and kind of really stress them and get some big chunk plays. And that's kind of what Emporia does as well. It's a kind of a matchup issue as he from Nebraska Carney. I don't know if Emporia's defense is good enough and stop enough up front to stop the Carney rushing attack with TJ Davis and the running backs kind of leading the way. So I think Carney does win this game, but it could be a little higher scoring than Carney kind of wants with. I think Carney still scores at 35-ish, 38 points. Uh, but Emporia State can get there in the low 30s and kind of make this a very interesting game where you kind of watch it on Saturday um, afternoon going, that game's pretty interesting over there in Emporia. I wonder how, how the Lopers are going to pull it out this time kind of deal. So Emporia, they like playing those close games. If you know the one here. Yep, and then uh, Lincoln has to travel down to Pitt. I don't know, you know, I, I could see maybe a slight letdown um, from Pitt after the, you know, the big game. You know, Lincoln talked about they at least have the ability to score seemingly, but I think, you know, Pitt runs for a million yards on offense. <laughs> you know, back to the back to their uh, the option days, maybe. Although they're not going to run the option, I think they could run for a, a boatload of yards and and uh, you know be a, be a good week for the uh, offensive line to and, and running backs down in, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Lincoln, they're giving up 296 yards a game on the ground, over six yards a carry, 27 rushing touchdowns. All those are by far the worst in the conference kind of deal. And I think Pitt State with their own line to be able to push them around, and they shouldn't have any too much <laughs> issues with Lincoln. Well, then uh, Central, they have to go down to to uh, Joplin to take on Southern. And, uh, you know, that, again, this is another good matchup for them. And and I think, you know, an opportunity for them to kind of keep rolling with Logan Tweehouse. Seems like they've kind of found their quarterback. And he's, uh, you know, he's the, the offense seems to be rolling. And, uh, you know, I think, again, another opportunity for them to creep a little bit uh, closer to 500. Yeah, I think Southern has better defense in this game, actually. But I just think Central Missouri and their offense, uh, find another gear. That's good for them going forward. And I think they're going to be able to do that again this week. I think Southern can maybe have a few matchup issues to kind of give them some problems here and there. But I just think overall, Central Missouri is a more talented football team. Uh, with a more proven head coach, I'll take the Mules. So win fairly comfortably, but it could be close for a while. Then UCM kind of pulls away late. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not looking at a blowout uh, either. I think that one, yeah, could maybe a late score gives them a nice little cushion in that one. Then uh, Missouri Westerns hosting Northeastern State. Talked about that game. Northeastern State, you know, was was a tough matchup. Heck, they were, you know, uh, two and two at one point, and uh, you know they've kind of slipped. And you know the big loss to their rival UCO pretty convincingly last week. It looks like a good opportunity for Western to come back home and, and maybe get things back on track. Yeah, it's a must-win for Missouri Western. You have to win this game. If you lose this game, the the wheels come off for the season. I don't expect, I don't expect them to. I think they should win this fairly comfortably. We'll see if Vesto or the other quarterback uh, plays in this one. We'll see what they kind of do with the quarterback. Maybe get both guys some reps this week as they're both healthy to kind of get them both with some rhythm going forward. Uh, but Northeastern State has no business winning this game. So Missouri Western, uh, this could be one of the few kind of true blowouts this week. Should be this game. So uh, Missouri Western, if they don't end up just taking care of Northeastern State pretty candidly. Maybe a few more questions rise up about them. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, then the last game to look at is Central Oklahoma making the long road trip out to Hayes, Kansas. And you know what? I, I want to pick against Hayes. They have burned me so many times other than, you know, I did pick them to beat Carney, but I picked them just about every other time as well um, other than against Northwest. But, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know that I can. I think this is going to be a good game. I, I think, you know, maybe UCO is kind of riding the ship a little bit. Hayes, um, although, you know, had kind of the heartbreaker, but, you know, maybe Adrian Soto chance fuller the difference for Hayes out in Kansas. Although I'd love to pick UCO. I, I just I just can't do it. Well, if you want another reason to pick UCO, they do have a long uh, break here after playing on Thursday, have an extra couple of days to rest and game plan for Fort Hayes as well. So maybe there's another little advantage there for UCO here. No, the season you don't usually see a whole lot of that in the amount of delay with a couple extra days to prepare for a team like that. But a drive to Hayes is no fun for anybody. <laughs> so we'll see what happens from Edmond, Oklahoma to Hayes. Um, but I think Fort Hayes wins this game. Um, I think defensively they're going to be able to limit what UCO does a bit. Uh, I'm still not sure what UCO is doing offensively with Keith Calhoun and uh, Brown there at quarterback. I'm not sure. The old thing, you have two quarterbacks, you have none kind of deal. I'm not sure if they know their identity on offense, and they scored a lot of points the last couple of weeks, but I don't know if I trust them versus good teams to do that kind of deal at this point. I think Fort Hayes is solid enough to kind of right the ship. and They're kind of at the point where you try to trust them, they lose, but you don't trust them, they win kind of deal. So right now they're kind of in the middle ground, not sure if I trust them, so they'll win by 30 kind of deal this <laughs> right. week. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> No, right. And it's still, you know, we, we've said this just about every week or I've said it and I think we, we've pretty been pretty much been in agreement on it is is I don't know. You know, it's, it's just like, you know, Washburn beating Hayes, although Wash, I think Washburn's a really good team. It's, um, you know, just, you know, and, and Central, you know, beating Emporia. It's just you can't predict it. It's this this season just kind of keeps getting, um, you know, just is, has stayed crazy. It's it's just a weird year. Yeah, for sure. You look at Fort Hayes, the remaining schedule, they have probably three or four of these games that are kind of like, I don't know if they trust them or not going for them. they got UCO this week, UCM on the road, home versus Emporia, then at Northeastern, then home versus Pitt. Four of those games are kind of like, I don't know <laughs> if I trust Fort Hayes to win that game or not. I'm not sure if I trust them to lose that game. So good luck um, being right each and every week, going 6-0 in the conference, picking games, just because one team always has a letdown that you weren't expecting or a team plays out of their mind kind of deal. So Good luck. Right. Well, it's going to be interesting to see, especially when those first regional rankings come out here in the next few weeks is, is, um, you know, where these MIAA teams are going to be, right? S say that, you know, cause Washburn, you know, I don't know, you know, after this week, it could very well be Pitt as, a, as the only two loss team, Carney, the only one loss team, um, you know, barring an upset in, in Topeka or something. But I don't know, you know, I, I don't know that I that I trust Pitt to win out. I think if they're going to go to the playoffs, they probably need to win out. I don't think a three loss MIAA team gets in the playoffs and and Carney, um, you know, barring an upset in Maryville. I know we're, we're looking way ahead here. Um but that that's the thing that we can do, I guess, in the media is, is we can do that a little bit more than the teams. But, you know, I'm, we're getting to the point where, you know, if, if Carney slips up anywhere other than Northwest, the MIAA might be a one-bid league this year. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, look at the, the Great American Athletic Conference. they got three teams who are right now probably around the playoff picture. you got Harding, Henderson, and uh, Washington Baptist are all kind of there um, in the playoffs. You know, Harding already beat. Uh, Baptist and they got they got Henderson coming up this week for the huge game in that conference kind of deal, but that's going to be one or two losses for each one of them, so they're going to be all in the mix. Um, the GLBC, who we don't think is as good as the conference, but they're going to have 
two or three teams right in the mix there. We just did a record with um, UND, Truman, and Lindenwood will all be right there record-wise. Then the GLIAC, you got Ferris and Grand Valley are both going to be really good as well. So good luck kind of getting more than two teams in MIAA in. Especially three losses, you're not getting into the playoffs, I don't think, in this region. So two losses is the max. So Pitt State, you can't afford to lose to a Washburn or a Fort Hayes going forward. You can lose to Northwest and Kearney, and that's it. And Kearney, they can't afford to lose any more games because if they lose another game, they get two losses, they're going to bump Pitt out because they got a head-head over Pitt. So Pitt's wanting Kearney to win out as well just to keep their playoff hopes alive because if Kearney goes to two or three losses, it kind of messes with Pitt State. Unless they go to three losses, they might have a better chance. But uh, it's just going to be tough to see what happens going forward. And um, if Carney does, say, lose another game, then upsets Northwest and Marysville, it, you know, maybe not a single home game in the first round of the playoffs because everyone have one or two losses and kind of beating each other up. So we'll have to see what goes forward. We're still a couple weeks from that, but still a lot of possibilities for the MIAA, but they're kind of shrinking as we talk. I'm curious to see those regional rankings here in the next couple of weeks for sure. That's Devin Albertson. He's the MIAA columnist, D2Football.com. Also has a great podcast for 8-Man. Does a lot of high school football stuff, specifically 8-Man football, which has a place in my heart, being from Union Star. We used to play 8-Man football back in the day. So uh, anyway, definitely check him out. Great follow on social media as well. Always appreciate him talking a little MIAA football here on the podcast. Coming up next, it's time to predict, and then we'll wrap up with some Bearcat trivia Bearcats, according to Eli, though, next here on Bleeding Green. Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. It's time for some predicting. The Bearcats, according to Eli, where my son Eli comes on, and we talk uh, MIAA football and predict the games. And and Eli, uh, this is the first podcast where you've made two appearances. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's right. So g- looking back to last week, we were both four and two. We had all the same uh, all the same picks. And we uh, the two games that we missed were Hayes and Washburn. We both picked Hayes. And then Emporia and UCM, we both picked Emporia, but not not a bad week from from each one of us, huh? Yeah, we did good, and this time I'm gonna get them all right. All right, perfect. Well, let's uh, let's take a look here and see at this week's uh, schedule. Let's just start with the Bearcats. Northwest at Washburn, a game you and I will be at once again uh, this week. So uh, maybe we're the we're the good luck charm. I, I'm guessing you're gonna pick the Bearcats. Yeah. What do you think for a score? Uh, this is going to be hard. I think it's going to be like 50 to like 54. I think it's going to be a very long game. 54-50. Wow. I don't I don't know that I see quite that many points um, being scored, but I do think it's probably going to be a close game. I'm going to go like maybe 28-24 Bearcats. Okay, next game, we've got Carney at Emporia. What are you thinking, Eli? Uh, Nebraska, Carney. The Lopers over over uh, Emporia, over the Hornets. What are you thinking for a score? 32 to 30. All right, next we have Lincoln, the Blue Tigers, traveling to Pitt, um, to the jungle on Saturday. What, what are you thinking? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing you're going to pick Pitt in this one. 
Uh-huh. I don't know anybody that's probably going to pick Pitt against Pitt after that performance in, in Maryville last week. What do you think for a score? 3 to 28. 28 to 3. By the way, I uh, picked Carney as well, 24-20 over Emporia. And for, uh, I, I think maybe Lincoln puts up some points. I don't know. I think maybe Pitt has a bit of a letdown. 35-24. I'm picking Pitt. I'm not going to pick Lincoln. I'm not totally insane. But I think maybe that could be a, could be a closer game. All right, UCM, the Mules, traveling to Joplin, take on Missouri Southern, the Lions. What are you thinking there, Eli? The Mules, I figured out they're better than I thought. Yeah, they've got a little winning streak going. What do you think for a score? 32 to 28. All right, I think UCM wins uh, 29-17, that one. All right, Northeastern State at Missouri Western. Who, who you got in that one? Missouri Western. Yeah, I think it's a it's a good opportunity for them to bounce back. What do you think for a score? Forty to thirty. I think possibly a, a lower scoring game. I think twenty seven ten after Northeastern getting thumped by UCO last week. All right, last game of the week: UCO Central Oklahoma uh, traveling out to Hayes, Kansas. The long road trip take on the Tigers out there in a, in a night game. What, what who you got, Eli? Central Oklahoma. Ooh, going for the upset. I want to pick them. I really do, because Hayes has continued to let me down just about every time. <laughs> every time I pick them, other than picking the upset over uh, over Carney. Uh, what are you thinking for a score? Twenty-eight to twenty-six. I mean, the twenty-four. All right, twenty-eight. 24 UCO. I got 27-23 Hayes. Oh, I really want to pick UCO. I just I just can't make myself do it. All right, Eli. Well, that's uh, that's another edition of the Bearcats, according to Eli. Any final thoughts or final words? Two things. The first one is the Bearcats are green, obviously. Actually, no, that's not obvious. No one knows that. That's our secret. Don't tell anybody. And uh, the other one is, uh, Dad, uh, you're wrong about Fort Hayes State winning. I may be. The every, just about every time I pick them this season, they've lost. So, so you're probably right. All right, buddy. Well, we're, we'll, uh, we're going to Washburn, going to Topeka on Saturday, and we'll be on the sidelines for that game. Are you excited? Yes. There you have him, Eli Stradamus. That's the Bearcats, according to Eli. Never a dull moment with that kid around, for sure. Well, now it's time for Bearcat trivia here as they start to wrap things up on this week's edition of Bleeding Green. Last week I asked you, when was the last time that Northwest lost at home to Pitt State? That was prior to last week's game. Of course, the comeback win, thankfully, we haven't had one since then. But I thought maybe I jinxed it. A little bit, uh, you know, last week. I, I actually thought about the trivia question as I was sitting in the stands, especially at halftime and then at that interception to start the second half. But the Bearcats had my back, and, uh, I, you know, I, I'm sure I'm sure that was it. They just didn't want to make me look bad. You know, that's, that's why we came back and won for sure. But it was actually back in 2014, a record crowd at Bearcat Stadium, over 11,000 fans. I think that's the only time we've ever had over 11,000 fans at Bearcat Stadium. 35-17, Pitt State beat us in homecoming, and it wasn't even that close. We fell behind 28-0 just like 20 minutes into the game. We did get 10 points right before halftime, but a scoop and score fumble return, um, Early in the second half, kind of ended the game. We scored with less than a minute left, and it, you know, 35-17 doesn't tell the whole story of that game. Not a fun one, but anyway, that's the last time Pitt State has beat us at home. 
kind of along those same lines, talking about overcoming deficits in last week's game. Last week was the 10th time the Bearcats have trailed in the Rich Wright era to which they have come back and won the football game. But only one time out of those 10 have we faced larger than a 16-point deficit to come back and win. I know it's been out there. If you've been on social media, maybe it's not that tough of a question, but I thought it was really timely. So what is the only other game in the Rich Wright era that the Bearcats trailed by more than 16 points they came back and won? Tune in next week at the end of the podcast for that answer. As always, I appreciate all of my guests that come and join me each week. Always a good time. Thank you so much for listening, for liking, subscribing, sharing on social media, and everything. I really do appreciate it. Word of mouth, everything else, it's all great. And, you know, the success of the podcast is something that that I did not see it being this successful this soon or honestly maybe ever. So thank you so much for being a part of that, and, and it's because of you. So I'll keep cranking out episodes and, and bringing you good content and got some I got some ideas and things for uh, uh, for some upcoming episodes, some fun stuff kind of planned for the off season as well. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's just enjoy the season, enjoy these Bearcats, and don't forget if you can't make it to Topeka over this weekend, which you have to buy your tickets ahead of time. They are not selling any tickets day of the game. You got to get them online and you got to get them beforehand. So that's just kind of a little tip for you uh, that I saw kind of floating around on social media this week. You can also tune in on the Bearcat Radio Network. If you've got the MIAA Network's uh, subscription, you can check it out. And you can get a one-time pass, I think, for for 10 bucks or something like that. Or you can get a month's worth as well. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel. Thanks so much for listening, and go Bearcats!